In today's show, we're going to continue where we left off last time. In the last episode, we talked about who you think you are is wrong. And we will continue the conversation by getting into when who you think you are is shattered. Please continue to support the podcast by sharing it with a friend. If you know someone that you think would enjoy this, please share it with them. This is how you can help me get the word out and also rating and reviewing it. And if you're enjoying the podcast, please support it by making a donation. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and at the bottom of the website, there's a donate button. And please make a donation, support the podcast to help keep it going. It's greatly appreciated. Also, submit your questions to be answered on the podcast. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and on the contact page, there's a place that you can make a recording and ask a question that can be answered on the show. And we can make this a more interactive experience. Again, you can go to the storyofmepodcast.com website and connect with me on all social media, including the Facebook group where I post different uh, yoga exercises and meditations that go with some of the episodes. All right, thank you. Now let's get to it. Beautiful am I Bountiful am I Blissful am I Beautiful am I Welcome to the story of me with Amarjit Singh. This is where I share stories from my unconventional life and relate the psychological insights that I learned from these experiences. Each story will entertain you as well as increase your awareness of your own self-limiting patterns. Then, through the principles of yoga psychology, you will learn how to overcome the resistance that is holding you back from living a more fulfilling life. Join me every Tuesday for a new episode where I share my experiences in psychological understanding, interview guests, and answer listener questions. Now let's get started with the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding. Welcome to the show. For those of you that are new, my name is Amarjit Singh, and I am your host. And for the returning listeners, welcome back. It's great to have you again. How are you doing today? How is everything going? How are your holidays beginning? Merry Christmas. I hope you're in the holiday festive mood and you're enjoying time with family and friends. Today, I'd like to continue from where we left off last time. In the last episode, we talked about the idea of who you think you are is wrong. And we even had a little discussion on aliens. Did anyone catch any of the documentaries I put links to in the show notes? What was your opinion of this? I'd like to hear from you. Why don't you drop me a line and tell me what you think of these documentaries, especially the one about the aerial school in Zimbabwe. This one is the most interesting to me. And uh, maybe you find it interesting as well. But anyway, this idea of who you think you are is wrong. This is what we talked about in episode 17, because it's who you think you are is what prevents you from seeing who you are. And in fact, often 
you mistaken your habit patterns for personality traits because they're so ingrained into your being, whether it's just from this entire life or from previous lives, but you have these habit patterns. You may say, well, I'm a shy person, and you consider this part of your personality when in essence it is an identification with a habit pattern. And the same thing with different fears and and many things. We have them for such a long time and they're so ingrained with us that they're a reflex and we consider this aspects of our personality and we mistaken these habit patterns for us. There is only one obstacle in your life and this is you because it's this idea of who you think you are that is causing all your struggles. It's identifying with these habit patterns and then reacting to them. And like I said, some of these habit patterns are so ingrained that you consider them aspects of your personality. And this is what we call false identification. It's who you think you are which is preventing you from seeing who you are. It's identifying with your ego, with trauma, and life experiences which hold you back from being truly authentic. And what I thought we would get into in this episode, this continuation, is what happens when this idea of who you think you are is shattered. It's broken down, maybe not completely, but many aspects of it are eroded because of self-awareness, realizations of these habit patterns, and losing this identification with them. And I'm going to share with you my experiences of letting go of some of these false identifications and then what happened when I was able to do this. There are probably many times in your life where you were able to get a different view of who you are and this changed some aspect of your life. Whether you tried to do something and at first you didn't have the confidence so you saw yourself as someone who was not capable of doing something And then eventually you started to have more confidence in yourself and saw yourself as someone who can do what you were trying to do. And then this changed the outcome. This changed the capacity for you to accomplish whatever it is that you were doing. And this is what people do in therapy is they try to look at their behavior and understand that the way they're thinking about themselves is causing this behavior whether it was because of a trauma or some other experience. And there are many times in my life where this has happened, and I want to share a few of them with you that have happened all within the the same time period of my life, and they contributed to my path greatly, meaning that they got me to the place where I am now, in a pretty dramatic way. You can say that in some of these experiences, I went through this one or two year period where I really felt like I woke up. 
I had this awakening that allowed me to change the course of my life. And I'll start with a I'll start with part of my education. When I was first in the university going for my undergraduate, my bachelor's degree, deep down I did not think that I would ever finish the degree. And so my behavior was that of someone who was kind of at some points going through the motions but didn't really feel that I would graduate because this was not something that was common in the environment I was in in my family. And, and so I looked at myself as this person who wouldn't graduate even though I was attending college. And in fact, when I did graduate, I remember for probably at least six months after I graduated, I would have dreams of them coming back and taking my degree. And this really affected my behavior. Maybe outwardly you weren't, weren't able to recognize this, but it did make me feel that, okay, maybe I didn't deserve this degree, maybe I didn't deserve this job that I was in, and so I maybe accepted at some points, more than I should have. Or even going the other way and being in a defensive mode and not accepting what I should have. And this happens in many cases where we go too strong the opposite way to try to prove to ourselves that we deserve it. Meaning that, okay, if some people kind of hold back when they feel they don't deserve something and they will accept less than they deserve. And then there's other people who, when they feel this, they go the opposite way and they make everything a fight to try to get more. And it's this feeling of learning how to deal with your personal power. And so me at this time, and I've witnessed this very much in counseling people who had issues with personal power is they overcompensate and they try to take more than they should be. And they don't accept less, which is what a normal person that didn't have this issue with personal power would accept. And so they make a lot of confrontation in their life. And I was doing this too. When I first went to my job on Wall Street and I got this job, Sure, I had confidence that I knew I can do it, but still, whenever there was some conflict, I pushed my way to an extreme because I was afraid that I wasn't going to get what I deserved, and not because everything was unfair, but because this is how I perceived myself. This is how I looked at myself. As I barely graduated the university, I'm working with people who have gone to Harvard and Yale and Stanford, and and so I saw myself as kind of less, and I perceived myself this way, and my compensation was to cause confrontation to make sure that I came out on top, and this was not the right way to do it, and I I recognized this towards the end of this, and I, I tried to learn how to accept and learn how to just make sure that I was grounded and I was centered. And so I would have these dreams, and these dreams were this, this way of looking at myself that I didn't deserve this degree. 
So after working on, on Wall Street and investment banking for some time, I went back to school. And I attended a graduate school to get a master's in financial management and markets. And I had uh, some very interesting experiences, which really shattered the way that I looked at myself in a very profound way. And one of the situations was I had this class, which was statistical analysis. And there was this teacher who was literally a genius. And this guy had a degree, a PhD in psychology and statistical analysis. And uh, he had a medical degree in internal medicine. I mean, this guy was brilliant, a true genius. And he was very strange, uh, but in a good way. I mean, very original way. And I remember him the first day of class coming to the class and telling a story. And this guy, his mind would go a million different places, but all come back to put it all together. It was incredible. And back then in these in this business program, we had these projectors that would project PowerPoint presentations or whatever it was onto the screen, but it was a projector that was on a, a cart with wheels. And the previous teacher had left it in the middle of the room. And this man didn't need this, so he was winding up the cord onto the, the cord onto the projector and then pushing it into the corner. But as he was doing this, he was telling a story. And it took him one hour to take that cart from the center of the class to the corner because he was doing this as he was telling a story and he would stop for a second and tell part of the story. And I just thought it was the most amazing thing how focused he was and how he was able to take this story that went off in 10 different directions and back into one. It was incredible. It was a really interesting guy. And this was right before our, our lunch break. And we had this little room for our lunch break where we had a refrigerator for our uh, graduate program and some computers to check our email. And I was in there and I was using the, the computer and having my lunch. And I was alone at this point. And he walked in and he walked up to me and you can just feel the guy's mind moving so fast. And he said, what are you doing in here? What's, what's this room? And I said, oh, this is where we, we have lunch. And, uh, and we check our email. He goes, okay, tomorrow I'm bringing my lunch. We have lunch tomorrow. I said, all right, okay. And twice a week we would have lunch. It would begin with maybe five to ten students all sitting around a table with him, and we're all talking about many different subjects, everything from psychology to whatever. And uh, by the end, it would just be us two talking. We would be there for an hour, two hours, just, just everyone had left and we didn't even know, so we were just talking. And there were some of the most interesting conversations I had. And he made me look at how I think. And we would talk about thinking. He said he would tell me how he can think so fast that he can change a sentence around in his mind and 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 move it to change the words, change the meaning, all this stuff, and, and then say something 
and not miss a beat where you wouldn't be able to tell because he would speak so fast that he moved this whole sentence around, another sentence, and he would talk and tell me how his mind worked. And I would start to look at how he is because he was very different. I mean, you couldn't put him in any environment say that he would fit in because he would definitely stand out, not in a bad way, but just in a very original way. And this is one thing that I really struggled with when I went to work in investment banking in New York, is all these people went to prep school, the boarding school, the same university that their parents went to. And, and, and I felt very out of place since my background was very different. And I always tried to fit in a little more, maybe not, not 100%, but to try to fit in. And when I saw him that he didn't try to fit in and he was successful, you can say economically successful, socially, uh, it seemed like he had an interesting life, and he was able to do what he wanted to do and he didn't change for anyone. In fact, he would tell stories about just different things he would do, like when he would be hired to be a consultant and he would submit his bill at the end and they would say, okay, we need to see the expenses for your flight and for all this stuff. And he would say, listen, you either just pay me for this or or you don't, but I'm not going to waste my time and collect receipts. If you don't pay me, that's fine. I, I won't work for you again. Otherwise, just pay me what this says. And I, I thought, okay, this is someone who just is going to do what he wants to do and, and be successful at it. And I started to look at myself the same way and stopped editing myself, stopped seeing myself as this different person who had to fit in. Instead, I just said, I am unique. There's no barrier. So whenever I would think about something and say it, I wouldn't, I wouldn't overanalyze it. I would, what is this person going to think? How are they going to react? I would eliminate these from my mind. And I did this by something that he said when he said that he didn't understand what it meant to be anxious. He didn't understand what it meant to be worried. He never experienced this. And he said, because of this, my mind is much clearer. And so what I did is I looked at my mind as this glass. And if you fill this glass up with water and say, okay, this is the stress, the anxiety, the worrying of what this person thinks of you, how much of the glass is empty and that's how much of your mind is empty to really dedicate to thought. And so what I did from this point on is every time that I had a thought that I couldn't affect, like what is this person going to think of me, how are they going to respond, things that I couldn't change, I would catch myself doing this and then I would take a deep breath and I would stop for a second and clear my mind and then continue. And I did this, it took me probably about around six months of doing this. Every single time I had a thought that wasn't an important thought or wasn't something that was going to help me or that I couldn't affect, I would take a deep breath wherever I was and I would stop thinking for a moment and clear my mind. And eventually I trained my mind to not think about these things. The capacity of my mind increased by at least 25%. It was incredible. It was like my, my being woke up. 
and my social life became better. My feelings became better. I started to have more enthusiasm for life, and I started to see myself differently. And this started to initiate the change because I was in school for business to continue this career in business. But as this started to happen, I started to let go of the interest in business. I started to use my creativity more. I started to look at myself as a more creative being, a more expressive being. And this continued, and this was about halfway through my graduate program. And it helped a lot. It helped my life because I was able to interact with people in a better way and be more authentic. And also, I started to express these ideas that I've had my entire life, but never really shared when it came to psychology and philosophy. And this was the point where I started to really get deeper into psychology. And I began actually doing stand-up comedy at this time. And this was because I had these ideas that I wanted to express, and I got into an environment where I was able to do that, and I started to really enjoy myself to be able to just speak about these ideas and maybe even in a funny way so people laughed at them, but there were ideas that I had. And my view of myself started to become bigger because I removed many of these limits, many of these ideas that hindered my expression. And it just kept continuing because then after graduate school, I got a job in a biotech company doing strategic planning. And I started to lose interest in this as well and started to really focus on ways to express myself. And I had a very interesting experience which really set my path to where I am now. And so when I was working after graduate school, I was making very good money, and I was able to take many trips on the weekends. I would fly to different places just for a couple days. And one time I came back, and it was a nice Saturday afternoon, and I was walking down the beach in Venice Beach, California. And this was one of my favorite places because it was a very eclectic place. If you've been down there or seen pictures of it, this is where the doors began and this kind of hippie acid culture. And there was still a lot of performance artists and a lot of strange characters. I think now it's changed and now it's filled with homeless people. But it was a very eclectic beach and I liked it. And I was walking down the strand, the boardwalk, to a friend's shop at the end of the boardwalk or the middle of the boardwalk. And as I was walking down, I felt like I hit a brick wall. It was a very strange experience. I felt like I, I couldn't walk anymore, I, and I don't know why I stopped. And it was a busy uh, Saturday afternoon. The sun was shining, and there's many people. And I just stopped, and I'm standing in in the middle of this these people passing and just wondering, why did I stop? What is going on? And I looked over to my left, and there about, I don't know, 25 feet away, there was a woman standing there, and because of the sun, I could just kind of make out her, her silhouette or her image. 
and the next thing I know, I, I was standing in front of her. I don't even remember walking up to her. I don't remember why I stopped at that place. And I, I asked her, what are you doing here? And she pointed to a sign that said, hand reading, palm reading. And I just kind of laughed, and I made some joke about telling people they're going to be rich and, and just joked around with her. And, and she had a good sense of humor, and, and she laughed and, and said some stuff, and then she asked to see my hand. And so I, I showed her my hand, and she said some things that were spot on, really good. And, and we sat down, and we wind up talking for about two hours. Before this point, I never really thought about people reading hands. I thought, okay, maybe it is possible, but these people in Venice Beach who are doing this for $10 are, are just trying to steal people's money. But beyond this, I never gave it much thought. I never, it never really crossed my mind to study it or to anything. But at this point, I was quite fascinated because I had been getting into psychology quite a bit. Like I said, my mind started to open up. I was reading about seven, eight hours a day and really consuming a lot of, of information, and, and specifically in psychology. And there are different types of, of people who read hands after I learned a little bit. Is some people are very intuitive and so they kind of use their intuition. There's other people who are more scientific. And this woman that I met was more intuitive, so she couldn't really teach me so much, just the, okay, these are the major lines. And we became friends, and I would sit there and watch her give consultations and, and try to uh, use my intuition to connect to this. In fact, when she didn't have any customers, we would just sit there and watch the people walk by on the boardwalk, and there are so many interesting people, we would try to use our intuition to talk about their personalities. And this was our entertainment, and it was quite fun. And while she was a more intuitive type of person, and I was just learning how to access my intuition, I'm a more scientific person. I come from a scientific background, and so this is how I usually approach things. And at this point, I didn't have so much knowledge. So what I would do is I would just go up to people and say, let me look at your hand. And when I would see marks on their hand, I would try to match it up to aspects of their personality. I would just ask them questions until I, I was able to match something up. And the next time I saw that same line on someone else, I would ask them the same questions and see if they correlated. And I would go to these big rave parties at the time where everyone is on ecstasy and, and they would say anything you want them to say if you ask them to open up. And I would just go from group to group and, and talk to the people and ask, hey, let me look at your hand and just sit there and talk to them until I can figure it out. And it was incredible for me because, one, it was fun to meet people this way. But it, I was able to read so many people's hands this way, and when they were in this environment and they were all on this ecstasy, this drug, they were very open, and they would just tell me anything that I, I asked. And, and so I was able to really get some deep information, and I started to learn and get better and better. And I did this quite a bit, just learning and learning. And it was such an interesting thing because it was more of this feeling of remembering than learning. And it was this way of looking at myself differently to put myself in these positions to be able to be open enough to be receptive 
to this internal voice to hear these things. And when you have this ego that is built up with all these preconceived ideas of who you think you are, it doesn't leave a lot of space for the intuition to echo. And the louder it echoes, the more you hear it. Right? If you have a room that has an echo and you put a bunch of furniture and things in it, the echo goes away and then the voice, the sound gets absorbed. And so it's not as loud. And the same thing in your mind when you have all these ideas and these thoughts, they all take away the echo of the intuition and they make it very quiet. It's hard to hear. And as I was letting go of many of these things, my intuition started getting very strong. And in fact, meeting this woman who taught me how to to read hands, this was a birthday present to myself unconsciously because this happened on my birthday. And it really changed the course of my life dramatically. Because if you've known me, if you've gone to some of my workshops or you know who I am uh, besides this podcast, you know that I've been reading hands now for over 20 years. And I'm quite known for doing this at different festivals and in different yoga environments in different countries because I, I have used this and incorporated this into counseling people. And it's a great instrument for that, not about telling the future and this kind of silliness, but about learning about who a person is. And I was able to cultivate this skill because I was able to look at myself differently and open myself up to the possibilities. And if you would have told me a year before this happened or even six months before this happened, would I ever be doing this? And I would think you're crazy. But when we start to look at ourselves differently, we start to see that the possibilities are unlimited. And in fact, it's not looking at yourself differently, it's to stop looking at yourself, to stop thinking about who you are in the fact that you want to define it, because it's indefinable. You are limitless, because you are consciousness And consciousness is God. Consciousness is the creator. Consciousness is the creation. And consciousness is infinite. And when you begin to put these limits on yourself, you close yourself off to experiences that you never thought you would have. And this is the magic of life, is not doing this. And as I started to do this, I started to really, like I said, open myself up to these possibilities without even thinking of where this is going to take me. Even the first three or four years, that I, five years that I was reading people's hands, I never in a million years would have thought that this is going to be part of my career. This was going to be part of a big picture, a big part of my life. And gradually, I started to get more into yoga and see how this fits in with yoga psychology, see how this fits in with finding the potential in people and to seeing the limits within them. Something I would have never seen if I would have thought of who I am or who I thought I was. 
this graduate student who was focused on finance and business and and all these things were limiting me. And and being able to tear them down really opened up my intuition incredibly. Like I said, in this two-year period, I had such an awakening that I couldn't put into words who I was. I couldn't comprehend, because of these experiences, where I was going. You know, when I look back on this in retrospect, I, I see a big pattern. I see that the more I was able to let go of these ideas of who I thought I was, the more I would reward myself unconsciously with these experiences because I was able to put myself intuitively in front of these experiences. And this is what you need to work on, is that when you are able to let go of these ideas of who you think you are, the intuition will show you who you are. The intuition will show you where you need to go. And it will be an intuitive life. But just because it's an intuitive life doesn't mean it's not a scientific life as well. Because you can incorporate this investigation in anything you do. And this is what I did, is I would investigate, okay, what is this experience and how do I understand these experiences and how do I let my intuition go so I continue down with this momentum? And it's not an easy path because you have to let go of many things that may be very difficult And one of these things was letting go of this career of the corporate world. I had just got offered another job. I was working for Disney Studios at the time, and I'm making a lot of money. My life was comfortable financially. I didn't have any worries. But I knew I had to leave this. I knew this was not for me. And... When you walk away from this, then this is a big shattering of who you thought you were. Because just months before this, or a year before this, I was saying, I'm never going to be poor again. I can see my life being comfortable, having this house near the beach, having this nice expensive car, being able to go to the restaurants whenever I wanted to, go on vacations. And now this has changed because of an experience, or a few experiences. But I knew that I had to let go of this idea of who I thought I was, how I thought my life should be going. But psychologically, it's difficult because we look at life as this linear progression. Economically, socially, you say, okay, this year I was making this much money, and next year I need to make 10% more, 15% more. And every year, just like a company, you want to go higher and higher and have a nicer car, a bigger house. And when you have to say, okay, I have to sell my expensive car because now I'm not working this job anymore. I'm pursuing something different. I have to move away from this nice place near the beach and go somewhere that's not so nice. And it's quite depressing because we look at ourselves as failures because we have this idea that we have to go forward, and this is going backwards. But why is it backwards? Because economically, I'm not doing the same as I was doing last year or the year before. Why is this 
backwards. Shouldn't we base our idea of progression on how much more we can express ourselves authentically, how much more love we're able to express to the people in our life, how much we're able to enjoy life more, how much are we able to express our authentic nature. This should be the barometer of which direction you're going. And even that is not a linear process. Self-realization is not a linear process. And so psychologically, it's challenging to think that economically I'm going backwards. But really, this is a way to get deeper within myself. Because this idea of who I thought I was was a hindrance to recognizing who I am. For you, you have to learn to let go of these ideas of who you think you are so that you can hear that inner voice that connects you to who you are. I mean, what is this intuition? It's God's voice guiding you back to him. And you need to cultivate an environment to connect to it, to hear it. And the way to do this is to limit the thinking. And the thinking that needs to end is this thinking of who you are. As I've said before, the further I go down this path, the less I think about myself. And this is what you need to do, is to let go of these ideas, because these ideas of who you think you are are limiting your experience just the same way that they limited mine, and they confined me to a small uh, framework of, of this idea of who I wanted to be and why I wasn't this person and why I wasn't successful and why I was having difficulty in this relationship or in this uh, social sit- situation. But it's all because of these preconceived ideas that you have and these reactions to them, which are your habit patterns. The problem is that you've had them for so long, they're so ingrained in your being that you're mistaking them for personality traits. And this is what's holding you back from being able to recognize your true expression. And it's, it's, it's this feeling when you are able to express yourself truly authentically that you recognize your purpose. And we talk about God's will and living God's will. But what is that really? To be able to experience God's will You have to let go of these ideas of who you think you are. And when you you find your purpose, you will recognize God's will coming through you. And this is the intuition. And then you will develop this enthusiasm for what you're doing because you are connected to your purpose here in life. And this will only happen 
when you let go of who you think you are, to allow your beautiful expression to permeate through the emptiness that is created in the space of these thoughts and ideas, this idea of the flow, of the intuition, of the divine coming through you. I'd like to tell you about Sing Flutes. These are flutes that are made by me. They're handcrafted Native American-style flutes designed for sound healing. The flutes are tuned to the frequency of 432 hertz, the harmonic intonation of nature. The fundamental note of each flute is in a key to vibrate a particular chakra. Whether you are playing for others or yourself, listening to 432 hertz music resonates inside the body. In fact, they did a medical study where they hooked people up to a brain and heart monitor and played different instruments to them. The Native American-style flute had the most impact in relaxing them. If you're a yoga teacher, it's a great instrument to incorporate into your classes. What I do is I have an app on my iPad that has the sounds of nature, and I'll put on the sounds of rain and play over this to the students at the end of the class. It's a very intuitive instrument to play. There's no musical knowledge necessary to get started. Each flute is unique since they're handmade. I put different artwork on them. I put mantras on them related to the chakras that they're tuned to. So go check them out at singflutes.com, S-I-N-G-H-F-L-U-T-E-S.com. Use the discount code, the story of me podcast and get 10% off. Thank you for joining me today. I hope you enjoyed the show. For homework, try to evaluate all these ways that you see yourself, that you perceive yourself, and try to let go of some of them. Try to imagine what it would be like to not see yourself in this way. Try to let go of these false identifications and see where this takes you. For me, it took me into learning how to read people's hands. And and now, like I said, I felt more like it was a a, a case of remembering something that I had already known. It was ingrained in me. And I've had a, a few people tell me that this was something that I've done in previous lives. And and the whole experience of it was quite interesting for me because it was fascinating how— I was able to learn this and how helpful it has been in counseling people. And for those of you who have experienced my readings and and gone through counseling sessions with me, you know how I apply this to yoga psychology to really understand the essence of people. And if it wasn't for this experience of meeting this woman, who knows how I would have come across this and and the fact that it happened on my birthday through my intuition was a great present to myself. I know that you are capable of this, that within each one of you is this gift that you need to give yourself, that you need to embrace and take away the ideas that are limiting you from experiencing it. Because the more thoughts that comprise this idea of who you think you are, the less space there is 
for that vibration of intuition to connect you to the source. And within you is this possibility to express yourself in a deeper, authentic, and loving way. And you are capable of it. You can do it. You are the only obstacle. There's no other obstacle that is preventing you from this. The obstacle is this mind, is this thinking, these ideas of who you think you are. So try to let go of them. And it's difficult in this time when we meet with family and the same habit patterns continue to make us feel like we're this teenage kid again, rebelling against these ideas of being imposed upon you or whatever it is. And this happens a lot around the holidays. But I wish you a Merry Christmas and to really learn to appreciate the people in your life and the time that you have with them. And remember to support the podcast. This is my uh, Christmas present you can give to me is to share this podcast with some friends. Share it with your family. Help me get the word out there. Rate and review it on the Apple Podcast directory. And if you're feeling generous and want to show your support even more for the podcast, please make a donation. Keep the podcast going. Help me support the costs that come with this podcast. You can go to the storyofmepodcast.com and at the bottom of the website, there's a donate button and you can make your donation and it will be greatly appreciated. Today, I thought I would end differently and play you a little flute. From the podcast that awakens your inner power through awareness and understanding, allow love to be the current that carries your words and actions. 